Hello, right, and now start broadcasting this bitch. from the beautiful central coast of California. It's the Doctor Death Danger Radio Show. Snazzle hands, epic piano intro music. Yeah, man, your mom is our number one fan. <laughs> At least we were number one Spotify. Like on the spot, number one podcast on the Spotify. Oh yeah, that's right. I saw that. I'm like, that's awesome. Thank you, Deanne, and uh, the rest of the Moonless Clan that listens to us. Yeah, much appreciated. <laughs> oh, I wanted to first drink of water, but the intro's over, so I got to introduce things. Yeah. Hello. And welcome back to the Doctor Danger Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the longest running podcast on the Central Coast. It may Pretty be. sure, <laughs> unless it's that one true crime, that true crime podcast that actually was able to reopen that case on that one. Oh, chair. right, that's right. They're from here. Okay. Well, uh, um. Oh, welcome back to. The most bro podcast in California, TBH. I I don't know, bro. Oh yeah. Shit. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody, where we do we do that voodoo that we do so well. Yeah. It's raining. It is fucking raining. It's raining a lot. (laughs) And it's been a minute to finally get to back to the cast. Yeah. No, Mariah uh, Carey, explain why it took a minute to get here. Okay, so the fr- I'm going to be honest, I completely forgot the first time. <laughs> it's been a really long couple of days. All I know is that the lo- the most recent reason why we had to push back was I opened uh, a few days ago at work on Tuesday. It was, and I got there at 8 o'clock. Now, this was a long day already in the first place anyway, because I, was, I may or may not have been up till close to 4 in the morning playing Persona 5. But I was like, oh, it's an 8 to 4.30 shift. I, I've worked those a million times. I know what to do. Well, I get there, and some schedule kerfluffling happened, and my boss is like, oh, shit, yo, Edward, our closing manager has, like, no support manager, um, and there's no one else available. Can you work a split shift? Which means I had to clock out at noon and then come back at 6. And I'm just like, um... Yeah, okay, sure. But on the on one hand, I'm like, okay, this won't be too bad. I'll just tell James we can meet earlier. He's still uh he's still out of work, so I'm sure he's got an open schedule. Yeah, about that. Yeah, so you're <laughs> like, hey, can we like meet earlier? I'm like, no, I have a job and this is my first day, so no. I feel like you were probably w- sh- sh- dis- disregard that. What the fuck was that? Uh, that was actually the start of whatever hot or not today, but we're not there yet. Spoilers, but yeah, yeah, um, my phone spoiled it. I have a, I have a feeling that uh, you were probably waiting to tell me on the podcast you had a job now, and I ruined the surprise. Um, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't really be. aiming for a surprise. I just kind of just like I know some people like to announce things to the world. Yeah, they have an achievement do. in your life. Yeah, I've I just kind of just do. I got a and then promotion. I'll casually I'm tell people. I was like, I'll casually tell people face to face. Yeah, and usually my friends. Yes, I don't care what the rest of the world knows if I have a job or not. Right, and thankfully, honestly, uh, you know, we're still pretty small time podcasts, so you know, uh, it's been a bit. It's been hectic. Yeah. Like get here. Yeah, it really. Mostly has. because Mariah Carey over here has to keep rescheduling. Why the fuck do you keep calling me Mariah Carey? I don't know. 
Well, well, Look, we're I'll both busy, all right. <laughs> we're but both I can busy. make my dates. You had no job for the last two weeks. Even when I had a job. I work 40 hours. So do I. No? Wait, do you work 40 hours at this new job? Yes. Oh. Well, shut up. My schedule's never my schedule's not as flexible as yours. I'm not flexible. I just show up on the day. <laughs> that where you like say. But I can't Okay. But yeah, that's why we couldn't meet up. It took a minute, but we're finally here. But we're here. Edward has a bit more hectic schedule. I have yeah. a pretty straightforward schedule. For the most part. Yes. It's kind of representative of who we are as people, you know? You're a pretty straightforward, uh, pretty cut and paste, not cut and paste, just open shut kind of guy. Me, there's all types of fuckery that's always going on. So it's, that's, that's, that's just how it be, though. Oh, yeah. All right, so uh, uh, there's not really any. Oh, by the way, um, depending on when this comes out, happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. Yes, this is our Christmas episode, I guess. Oh, fuck. This is our Christmas oh, episode. Oh, fuck. I forgot I had something wait, for you wait, in the wait. car. Why the hell is this our Christmas episode and we didn't watch a Christmas movie? Did you, did we forget about Christmas? Uh, We want to remember if we actually podcast, <laughs> but we put this one off for so long. It's like, all right, let's do this. And I realized, wait, Christmas is literally like... Tomorrow. Isn't watching a Jason Statham movie its own Christmas gift? Yeah, it's the spirit of whipping ass. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Don't worry. It's going to be a great episode. Why I don't we watch it. a Christmas movie? Damn it. We do Halloween. Why don't we do Christmas? Um. Well, I'm not stopping to pull up a Christmas movie right now. You got to go do Christmas shit. So. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? It's fine. It's going to be a good podcast. Was it hot or not? Fucking song. Some fucking perverted filth and not a Christmas song. Happy holidays, everyone. Yeah, why didn't Jake Jake Bonesteel ruin and Christmas? And yes, I'm broke and I couldn't get you gifts this year. Oh, dude, I'm broke too. I I couldn't I couldn't get I I, I feel like this I feel I like just this, barely was able to get my parents. Something. I feel like once stuff opened up again, life got fucked. Yeah, I had money during COVID. <laughs> now I don't. We things were better during lockdown financially. Financially, yeah, because we were working, but we didn't really have to do that much. We just had to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, oh, well. Yeah, I know. And if I didn't have some fucker, like, accidentally, like, keep, like, getting my van towed and then I lose a job and then, like, the process of finding a job, which my new job is pretty is pretty cool. No, I'm not going to lie. First day, it's just smooth. I just shouted. So I just shadowed my lead tech. Second day, more of the same, but kind of ended at three and then I chilled for two hours. Hype. Yesterday was a rainy day and we mostly just kind of clean up the shop you could say boring day but i've done more boring days and i don't feel like someone's like yelling telling me i have to be doing something like i took my sweet time i don't know everything there and then i just kind of build like radio boards for like the latter half of the day that's cool and then today i basically had to go I was basically riding in a friggin' Polaris, basically mudding up a hill to go friggin' try to turn on a generator and shit. At one moment, the the friggin' Polaris didn't start, and we thought we had to hike back down the hill, but we stopped and turned around to, like, take some pictures of some bullshit, and then we turned on the Polaris, like, oh, shit, this thing starts. Okay, we can drive back down to the hill to get a new battery so that we could get it to this generator for this tower to like for the to actually turn on and then the generator can charge the tower and then we can actually go away and then went my I was pretty dry for the most part till I like tore my crotch in my old fucking rain suit and eventually got my ass fucking like got my crotch and ass all soaked and shit. How the hell did that happen? It's just old shit rips. Wow. 
I guess so. In my saccular area. <laughs> I don't have a big dick. And that freaking goes through my shit. But freaking a lot of my like old pants eventually you Is that why the crotch. the crotch is getting shredded up? That's why my crotch is getting shredded up. Okay. It was also hella old. You gotta understand that concept. For the fire crotch, this Whatever. is shred crotch. It was pretty sick mudding the first two times going up the hill. But then the, the third one was like, all right, this is like actually raining. It's wet and it's cold. Fuck this. So <laughs> up and it's like, all right, hopefully we get this done. It's just like freaking 50 mile per hour winds on top of the hill. Just freaking yeah. like rain just like st- rain just feels like freaking little pelts hitting you. Pretty like it's like it was an exciting day. I did enjoy this day for the most part. Because then when we got back, we didn't do shit. <laughs> freaking, I got me some in and out. Yeah. And then my like freaking supervisor's like, oh hey, where are you at? I went to grab some in and out. Oh, I will go order pizza. Oh damn, I'll still eat the pizza though. I don't fucking care. I'll fucking gorge. I don't give a fuck. And literally like the last two hours, of the shift was, I was watching Gordon Ramsay videos. Yeah, he's and sure. my coworker was watching Star Wars video game videos. I think the other one was kind of just dicking around, and the other one was just chilling. And speaking of Star With- Wars, did you see that new Star Wars game that got announced called Star Wars Eclipse? No, maybe. What? Yeah, it's being made by the uh, because Disney told EA, "Hey, you know what? The internet got really pissed at you, so now you're no longer the only game company that can make Star Wars games now." And the Star Wars Eclipse game is being made by the. If you can believe this, it's being made by the um by the uh what's it called? What's that one game called? Uh, Beyond Two Souls slash Heavy Rain dudes, Quantanic Dream. Well, are we going to be, is this going to be a friggin' choice on choice, like friggin' video game, or is this going to be Star Wars? hold a button to walk. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was it was only a cinematic trailer. Um, I tell you what, though, it's got a pretty neat looking art direction. So, that, it looks, okay. you said Star Wars game, so I thought, oh, James likes Star Wars. Yes, still. I do like Star Wars. So, yeah. I still do like Star Wars. And yeah, fucking, where the last third movie was Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, no, I like second time watching it, not as exciting. No. It was exciting in the theaters. It was I mean, fun in theaters. I mean, the best part about, second- the best part about that movie is like the 20 minutes Palpatine's on screen. Oh, yeah, he's nothing but fucking memory. <laughs> he's great. Oh, yeah, no, he's great. He's totally great. Yeah. He's, yeah, no, Palpatine's yeah. best. Yeah. But in that movie, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to lie. Did you watch Spider-Man? No, I've had a chance. Do you care about watching Spider-Man? Uh, my missus watched Spider-Man, and her response... And, uh, Did she mark the fuck out? Her reaction was, and this is a direct quote, square to God, this is how she, mess- she messaged me on Discord. She said, Yo! Yo that movie was so hype! hype. OMG! Jeez. I love Marvel! Yo. Dude, Marvel sucked ass this year. <laughs> it's just Spider-Man. Try telling her that. I'm like, dude, Spider-Man She's... turned out... And here's the thing about this movie I like, so I put it best. It honestly is more of a spectacle. Well, yeah, it's a fucking it, crossover it, Dude, movie. it's an acclamation of like all the other Spider-Man It's stuff. literally a live action into the Spider-Verse. And... On, on a debatably smaller scale. Yes. Because... I say debatably because it's on a bigger scale if you give a fuck about live action Spider-Man because it's like people do give a fuck about live I'll tell, action I'll Spider-Man. Te- I tell you this though, I think I think I I speak for most people, at least people our age, where I think the thing most giving the most of a shit about was just Alfred Molina back as Doc Ock. Which for me, people say he was sick in that in like the new movie. I thought he was okay. Yeah, like there's part of it where like a lot of those dudes, like Lizard, sounds like he was phoning it in, and Alfred Molina kind of phoning it because he, he wasn't like you know the main Doc Ock. He's, yeah, like in Spider Man dude, he's awesome. In this one, you know, there's like five villains. Yeah, 
And honestly, he's more of on the chilling side. It's fucking William Defoe. <laughs> he brought a fucking performance. That's what I heard. Dude, like fucking his god dude, he's a better dude. It was his goblin was like not as much. He doesn't do as like he didn't have as much screen time yeah. as the first one, but here I feel like he was way more effective and just way more of like you are a bastard. <laughs> you are just a bastard. William Defoe is I'm going to say You are the greatest right now. You know how people say Heath Ledger's the definitive at least on-screen Joker. I mean some people say it's Jack Nicholson too, but let's just say it's both of them. I've I've been saying this for years. I really truly believe uh, William Defoe and Alfred Molina are the definitive on-screen portrayals of Harry Osborne and Dr. Octavius. Like, uh, maybe on the Octavius part, Molina was fine, but no, dude. When it came to freaking Defoe being gobby. That's what I mean, yeah. He, from what someone told me, he was like, they were just like, he looks like he's having the time of his life reprising this role. Dude, even more. <laughs> like, here's the thing. Like, out of all the Holland movies, dude, he's like, Two times more menacing than Vulture and more Mysterio, maybe even combined. Well, you gotta remember they used to write they used to, they write villains differently now in comic book in these. Yeah, movies. And like I don't know why did why didn't William Defoe just fucking rule as fucking? Because think about it, it's William fucking bastard known as the Green Goblin. Bro, think about it. He's William Defoe. Do you think even Kevin Feige and Disney are yeah, gonna be able to flex their creative control on him? He's like, no, I'm William Goddamn Defoe. I was in the lighthouse, motherfucker. Yeah, where you saw I'm gonna me, do what I want. Where you saw me just fart take turds and fucking put sp- and fucking jack off in a tower i'm going to fucking do my own goblin you're gonna like it i almost kissed robert pattinson i almost kissed batman the new young batman. the new batman yeah you watch the lighthouse right oh yeah dude that movie is so awesome that movie plays out like it's a fucking if you that movie plays out like it's a lovecraft story it's great it's not even like a lovecraft story it's just dudes just getting just being insane and then doing yeah. just laborious work in the fucking like shittiest manner yeah and i'm like yeah dude lighthouse was awesome no, that's a great movie and like defoe honestly <laughs> he makes them literally that's not even the craziest movie he's been he's been in the craziest movie i've probably seen william defoe in is this movie called antichrist yeah i knew you were gonna bring that one up <laughs> Did you ever see that one? Uh, I just noticed the motherfucker that Nymph- Nymphoma- Nymphomaniac. Yeah, yeah, and like the foes in that one. Oh, dude. I don't want to see his wild. dick. I do not want to see his dick. Okay, I don't think it's actually William Defoe's dick. I think they did because I think. They got a stunt cock. Yeah, because that's what they did with. <laughs> That's what they did with Nymphomaniac. That's unfortunately not Shia LaBeouf's penis, I'm pretty sure. We got the stuff cock. Stunt cock. <laughs> not the stuff cock. Well, he does that too. Yes. But yeah, it's. Uh, Man, that guy's weird. Not William Defoe. He's just a great actor. I mean, the guy that made Nymphomaniac. Oh yeah, no, he's weird. That dude's weird. But no, dude, like literally, Gobby and fucking No Way From Home was literally the best part. Oh, that and doesn't surprise me. This movie was more of a spectacle, but even then, and like people are like, "This is the best Spider-Man movie." I feel like that. Like a That's lot what of stuff, Twitter was selling. There was me. a lot of stuff that freaking build up to that that make this. It's an awesome movie. It's more of a spectacle. Yeah, I'm kind of curious how I am going to watch it again. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna diss on Tom Holland Spider Man. He's pretty good. The only he's thing, pretty awesome. The I, I like his Spider. I like his portray. I, I like him as Spider Man. I just really don't like how the MCU has treated Spider Man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know I sound like a comic geek, but I don't like how they retooled Spider Man to having his whole origin story basically being, uh, you know, uh, basically being Tony Stark's, ba- uh, you know, little puppy. 
Well, and I get it. Okay, Tony, uh, Robert, Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. Like, change well, the world. The thing about I don't that? give a shit. And they make him look like. Wait, such you don't care. Wait, do you care for spoilers for this movie? Eh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people listening might. So. Well, do you have you? No, this been out for a fucking week. <laughs> go watch that movie. Uh, I mean, if you want to spoil it, go ahead. I'm just saying, if you care. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this: what you're curious about, how this movie ends, is basically. Tom Holland's life sucks now, and now he's normal Spider-Man. Oh, okay. No Tony Stark backing, no nothing. Oh, that's cool. After, that's better. After all that stuff, he doesn't have the high-tech suit anymore. You he, know what it is? He's you know now what, just normal Spider-Man. You know what my issue he's was? He's alone, living in an apartment, and no one knows who he is. Wait. That's just... That's just Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. He's basically that now. Yeah, that's fine. That's how the movie ends. My issue with what they did with well, him like was a that like a spandex suit, not a nanobot suit. Was like, listen, okay, listen. I, I Batman's the greatest superhero of all time, but Spider-Man is the only other character that gives him a run for his money, and sometimes he's better. Spider-Man is the only S-tier character Marvel's ever had, and in the MCU, they make him look like a complete geek, and it's like, bro, except for well, maybe, he is a except, geek. well, no, but he's a nerd. He's not a geek. Geek. It, he except for maybe Thor, he can take the entire Avengers team in a fight by himself. In this in this series, keep in mind Vulture happens after Civil War. He could barely fight Vulture. True. And they gave it a reason. Because Vulture's pretty gnarly, bro. But it's like and Michael Keaton was pretty awesome. Well, yeah, but bro, it's Michael Keaton. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's fucking, that's, that's old school Batman. Mysterio, that's Beetlejuice. And here's the thing, Mysterio is fine and like. Well, that's because it's really hard to screw up Mysterio. <laughs> like, yeah, no, Jake Hall being Mysterio, that was fine. And yeah. I did like, first I watched it, I did felt the stakes of like, you know, Tom Holland, Spider-Man actually having to step it up. But this movie, this movie was just like, yeah, no. He had to face William Defoe's Goblin, and he is a <laughs> fucking bastard. Like it's just like he's just playing fucking forty chess on Tom Holland. He he wasn't prepared on William Defoe Gobby, bro. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, bro. He's been playing on easy mode. William Defoe Gobby's like is, is like is like switching out fucking. Well, like, here's the thing: Gobby kills Aunt May. Oh shit! Yes. MCU one. Yes. Damn. Here's the thing about I think at MCU. I think there's no freaking. Um, yeah, no, there's no, like, Uncle Ben in this one. Well, I don't think she we ever this, see him. Yeah, no, I don't think there's an Uncle Ben. So Aunt May has to do the speech, do the fucking great oh, power. Uh, comes with great responsibility. Yeah, too. after she's dead, after getting fucking freaking, like, ran, like getting impaled by the glider. I'm saying, dude, Defoe's... Oh, that's how Defoe's goblin died in the... in the. Yeah, but I don't Tony think, McGuire like... Movie. Well, obviously, he didn't have the blades out. He just had that thing just fly at Aunt May, and she got friggin' nailed by it. Well, yeah, and then she so. was pretty wrecked, and after Gobby threw a fucking pumpkin bomb and bounced out. Dude, I'm telling you, what Defoe's goblin... And, like, it's so little, so you're but he does... He puts so much effort. So you're telling me this MCU movie is made great by a Marvel character from a film series from 20 years ago. Yes. <laughs> well, at least that's one of the most shining parts. Right. I'm just saying, he's a bastard, and, like, him and Tom Holland's fights were awesome. Okay, that's Like, dude, good. they just had great fucking fist fights and shit. Like, it was pretty awesome. Obviously, no fights will be as awesome as the fucking Doc Ock fights in, like, Spider-Man 2. Oh, those, those are, are good really, stuff. really good. They still stand up, watch- especially when they're on, like, the side of the building. Yeah, or just on the train. Or like, the train, too, yeah. All that, chore- all that choreograph that went into it, it's like, fuck, dude, these fights are... Really good and really exciting. Oh yeah, I mean, I know, I know Spider Man Two has in recent years gotten this record of being a little overrated because you know people have talked so much good about it. But bro, there's a reason. I saw that shit in theaters. It blew my mind. 
The yeah. movie was great. That hospital scene still gives me chills when the arms wake up and they yeah. kill all the doctors. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, because you know they had to do yeah. that because Sam Raimi's a horror guy. But yeah, no, but fucking Gobby and freaking this movie was just so good. Like at first, because at a while I was like, oh, Goblin's an okay villain after a while. But yeah, no, Willem Dafoe just like freaking stole the show. Because literally, it was like Tom Holland's ready to, like, Tom Holland's Spider Man's ready to fucking murder him. He has a fucking bloodlust to fucking kill this Gobby. <laughs> and Gobby's just smiling about it. And it's like, dude, this is like the fucking best shit. And then obviously, you had fucking Tobey Maguire Spider Man come in and be fucking Uncle Ben for Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the vibes he came off how about andrew garfield he was actually pretty good that's good. well you hear everyone's like all stoked that like this is a redemption because honestly andrew garfield spider-man deserved better like he comes off as a very pathetic human being <laughs> <laughs> oh come on well that's kind of his good character no, no, i believe you i'm just like come on like it's, well, it's, just, it's, not, it's not fair they gave him two they cut toby mcguire's thing short one movie but they only gave andrew garfield two movies before they were like before they started making the eye emojis at tom holland so it's like poor andrew garfield is what i'm saying yeah well here's the thing like people are like stoked on his performance in this movie like here's the thing it's like a tale of three different spider-men you have one that's like life panned out fine yeah mostly and he's basically the uncle ben for tom holland you have one where then you have one that's like you know he lost his girlfriend yeah that's the last life fucking sucked and then he came in and he's like yeah no like his character is like literally like yeah no after i lost my girlfriend i stopped pulling my punches on a lot of stuff yeah he's a very depressive like freaking like yeah, no, like, like, for like, apathetic human being in this care, like, this movie. That's cool. So there's a lot of like, yeah, there is those layers to him too. Well, like, Tobey Maguire is like Spider Man's a little bit more of like Zend out. Yeah, <laughs> Zend out. And he's the one that's <laughs> able to like calm Tom Holland from please don't kill the Goblin. That's not what Spider Man does. Yeah, we don't kill people. Yeah, as he's literally trying to fucking kill a Goblin. <laughs> Because he's a bastard and killed Aunt May. And I'm like, damn, dude, this movie is... Okay, all that... When I'm explaining that, I'm like, dude, that's pretty sick. Yeah. I'm just saying, mostly the William Defoe stuff. Yeah. And, like, all the fucking, like, other, like, you know, Doctor Strange dickery was fun, too. You know what, really... But that's just the fun part, not, yeah. like, the fucking sick part. Yeah. You know, it's funny, really quick, before we move on to Hot or Not, I, just one quick thing. People were taking, uh, I guess, parts of this movie got leaked on the internet. It was this big whole holy shit thing. Yeah, I saw a little bit fly, like on like YouTube and shit, but I just disregarded I it. I saw someone on Twitter tweet that uh, they saw someone tweet out uh, Spider-Man spoilers for this new movie, and then someone replied to them with their address. They docked someone because of spoilers. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> uh, don't mess with the uh, don't mess with the MCU marks, bro. Oh, I know. Uh, but obviously, in the movie theater, the best part was the fucking like pop from the crowd when like. Well, for, I feel like Andrew Garfield was just a more like exciting pop because he was the first one to show up, mm. and then obviously Tobey Maguire, like everyone's stoked. Oh yeah, he's a legend. Yeah, he's a legend, and yeah, I know he's like he doesn't really do movies anymore. <laughs> I know. Does he need to? No, he's fucking Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty definitive Spider-Man. I call him like the Zend out Uncle Ben Spider-Man. At least comes off in this movie. That's, Andrew that's Garfield's funny. the Spider-Man whose life kind of went dog shitty. Yeah. And Tom Holland's like the in-between, I guess. Because here's the thing. Because in the end, Tom Holland had to basically do the spell where like everyone had to forget who he was. Mm -hmm. So that means, and then I told you how the movie ends. You just see him buy, getting a shitty apartment. He makes a new Spider-Man suit, the blue and like red, and then he goes swinging around. I'm like, so this is his origin. Literally, all three movies was his origin story. Oh fuck! You know when you word it like that, that's almost kind of cool. 
That's almost kind of cool. Well, dude, that's how someone described it. I'm like, well, that's kind of how the movie ends. Talk about a like, slow no burn. No one knows he's fucking because no one. Because now back to all the Avenger peeps. I'm sure if they know a Spider-Man, it's just Spider-Man. They don't know he's Peter Parker or any mm-hmm. of that shit. Like no one knows that of Peter Parker's existence. He is literally they know a Spider-Man. Yeah. But no one knows a Peter Parker. And he has no family or friends anymore. Also, the movie was what, two hours, twenty minutes? Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing the girlfriend said. She said that she thought the movie was too short. We don't need another three hour endgame. <laughs> which Endgame was a spectacle and a fun movie. Yeah, that was that was ten years of build up. I feel like this one, well, this one had a little bit more, like, just random But this is fucking Spider-Man. Yeah, this just randomly chaotically happened. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, life made it. Like, Endgame was a plan in the beginning. (laughs) This movie wasn't. This movie wasn't, And it just happened. Even the Spider-Verse wasn't a thing. I found out that the Spider-Verse didn't happen until the video game. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, that actually brought life back into Spider-Man. And I'm like... Yeah, and then the movie movie happened, and then uh, the animated one happened, and then this happened. Which the animated one's really good. And that's pretty cool that they're doing a second one. Yeah, they're doing... And they're doing a Spider-Ham spinoff because, you know quirky character i guess yeah they probably should i think they should have given a spinoff to penny parker but whatever oh well no penny parker for you no penny parker for me but yeah no i indulged myself in a lot of spider-man because i was pretty stoked for this movie i'm not an mcu person because i haven't watched fucking hawkeye oh something really cool happened in hawkeye what uh do you care for spoilers uh net uh uh, vince d'onofrio's kingpin is gonna is is the bad guy now he showed for hawkeye yeah good friend that's kind of sick yeah Good friend Thomas told me, yeah, he just out of nowhere, he just showed up in an episode. He said, uh, Hawkeye just uh, asked who the boss, uh, like was given a picture of the, of their boss. And he just looks like he just saw, he's staring into the eyes of God with fear. And someone's like, who is this? And he's like, call him Kingpin. And then bam, it's Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, homeboy from Law and Order CI, what's up? Oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, I yeah. love Vince D'Onofrio. Yeah, like, also- That's Gomer Pyle. Also, like, the Daredevil cameo in Spider-Man was there, too. Oh, yeah, I heard about but that. But he just literally showed up to just tell him, hey, you're not going to be charged for murder for Mysterio. Isn't going to happen. But, Happy, you're going to be charged for fucking stealing Stark equipment, so <laughs> get a good lawyer. I'm not helping you. And I'm like, ha, 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 that's the joke. Happy yeah. Happy, kind of gets fucked most of the time. <laughs> gets his heart broken by Aunt May. <laughs> yeah. Then Aunt May, Aunt May dies. Yeah. Because Spider Man's like, life just sucks all the time, always. Like yes. no matter what adaptation. Yes, unless you're freaking Tobey Maguire at the end of three. Well, even then, like there's a hilarious scene. There was a bittersweetness to that one, though. Because obviously, there's the hilarious scene where like freaking Ned's talking to like freaking Garfield and Toby about their best friends, and he goes like, "Yeah, so my best friend became a supervillain and tried to kill me." And then freaking like, yeah, my best friend became a su- It's like, how about your best friend? Oh, he died in my arms because he tried to become a supervillain and he tried to kill me. <laughs> and then he goes like, and then obviously there's a funny joke where he goes with Tom Holland's like, where he's a little sketch, like, I hope I don't try to like kill you. And everyone's like, oh, he's going to be the Hobgoblin, guys. He's going to be the oh, Hobgoblin. God. After like, I don't know, he was able to do fucking sorcerer bullshit. <laughs> Who knows what Ned's going to do? Uh, well, yeah. Are they going to do more Tom Holland movies? I don't know. I don't know. Tom Holland doesn't know. I got like geeks saying, oh yeah, no, he signed up for like three more movies. I'm like, doing what? <laughs> Being Spider-Man, I guess. I don't know. Oh no, let him take a break. It seems like there's, these movies are taxing. It's like yeah, Dan- they are. It seems like Daniel Craig, when he was doing James Bond, where he's like, can I not do another movie? 
This hurts my body. Yeah, that's what he said. Uh, that's what he said after Skyfall. He was well, Skyfall was kind of a fucking nutbag of a movie. <laughs> it's kind of like, have you noticed that Daniel Craig in these Bond movies, pretty much after Casino Royale, but really from Skyfall on, like he does stuff, but for the most part, he kind of almost Steven Seagal's it, where he just kind of stands, right? He doesn't really talk much. He just kind of stands and goes places and then looks like he has agency and then shoots people. Like, really, he doesn't talk a lot in these movies. He talked a lot in Casino Royale, but he didn't really in Quantum, Skyfall, or Spectre, I feel like. But, yeah, and then they kill him for no reason yeah. because, you know, oh, our, the, the movies, the things are only good these days. If everyone dies, no one can have a happy ending. No, well, yeah, even Spider-Man doesn't have a happy ending. Yeah, but that's been his thing for for eighty years. Oh no! When I watched all like the Tobey Maguire, I did not watch the Andrew Garfield movies, but I can tell you what the Tobey Maguire movies. His life sucks, <laughs> mostly because he just has to be Spider Man and keep helping people. But that's been. But when it comes to yeah. everything else in life, he always has a motherfucker, Bruce Campbell, ruining his life. Just Bruce Campbell showing up. Well, him as the wrestling announcer. Actually, the best Bruce Campbell was him in the second movie, where he's just like shushing him away. Oh yeah, he can't yeah. go through the door. Yeah, that's right. But even French Bruce Campbell was pretty hilarious. Bruce Campbell was pretty awesome watching yeah, those movies. Yeah, he is. No, but Spider Verse Two that should be a fun movie. Yeah, I can't wait for that. So yeah, I'm a Spider Man dude. I like Spider Man. I don't care for MCU too much. I said I didn't watch Hawkeye. I did watch Loki. But I that, heard that was good. Yeah, Loki was a fun like that was a fun series. You watched uh, WandaVision. Yeah, and I fucking hated it in the end. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck this. I don't want to watch it. Had these. that Dragon Ball fight at the end though. No. No, I'm sorry, I had a Dragon Ball Z fight at the end. Yeah, that doesn't mean it was good. Yeah, that's true. I'm like, if I want to watch Dragon Ball Z, I'm gonna go watch Dragon Ball Z. Actually, it'll probably just be like, nah, I'm just gonna no, you're like, nah, fuck beam struggles. I wanna watch Dragon Ball. Yeah. <laughs> I did not watch fucking Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah, that so happened. Yeah, I just think Loki was exciting because, like, I don't know. He was Tom on Hiddleston. Yeah, and then he was on a fucking multiverse adventure. Yeah. There was a lot of fucking big brain just like, you don't know what's happening next. I'm like, oh. I guess I actually, don't know what's happening next. Which I guess those were the writers of Rick and Morty being stolen away from Dan Harmon. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, I think a lot of, like, Rick and Morty writers were, like, taken away to Marvel. Oof. <laughs> There's something about that. Which I actually they must have been flexing them bands, bro. Yeah. Well, also me not working. I also like binge watch all of Community again. I, oh yeah, that's right. I actually finished like the sixth season, and yeah, no, I'm good. I'm watching that sixth season again. That sixth season was okay. Oof. No, like I think season one's good. Season two, season three gets a little dragging. Season four, people hate, but that's because I think just wasn't done by Dan Harmon. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. I enjoyed season four. Season five was good. And season six was like, fuck. Kind of drags. Oh, but the last episode was Dan Harmon just fucking jacking himself off. <laughs> Literally, it was just like, oh, hey, we're just going to do an episode while like the main character, Jeff. Was it Jeff? I thought so. Yeah, Jeff Winger. Freaking the main character, Jeff's just having an ex existential crisis that everyone's actually leaving the damn community college and he's going to be stuck there teaching. Yeah. And he's like, damn, I thought I would have my friends here forever. But no, they're all actually moving on and stuff. And freaking, 
yeah, and then there's a lot of just meta bullshit that kept doing. Even they brought in some fucking, like, one where it's like a joke where it's like, they brought in Cubehead Man, which is the fucking same voice as fucking Morty or these other, like, you know, side-off characters. I'm like, well, I hate this a lot. Aw, jeez, Rick. Aw, jeez, Rick. Aw, jeez, Rick. Or, you know, like, oh... I'm an ice head. Yeah, I'm just going to do weird ice head things. I'm sitting here and just doing that. Yeah. That fucking voice. You yeah, know yeah, the yeah. one. Oh, I know the voice. Yeah, I heard that voice. I'm like, yep, the show's done by Dan Harmon. And honestly, him being all fucking hella meta to end the series is not even a good note. This just made me think. It's like, I'm glad it's over now. Yeah, it's just a shame because community was really good. It was good, but I think it went on too long. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. It kind of also sucks. Somehow Chevy Shameless Ch- is on like season 10. Also, Chevy Chase was really good in the community. Well, Chevy too. Chase is good in pretty yeah. much anything he's in. Well, he was like, like I heard he was so bitchy towards fucking Dan Harmon. <laughs> really? One, he only wanted to work six hour days and he was old. Oh, yeah. Did you see how fucking old he was in that series? Yeah, Chevy Chase is looking pretty old. Now. Yeah. But him being a crazy old man was great. All right. All right. We spent too long, but everything else should fly by quick. Sure. I'm going to tell you about this movie that we reviewed today, The Transporter. Okay. Also, listeners, we have timestamps. If you somehow forget, or if you're a new listener- Until right now. We have timestamps. But other than that, our meet today is The Transporter. Yes. Because we're going down that. We should have watched a Christmas movie, (laughs) but we fucked up. Unless Edward could do a fucking turnaround and podcast on Christmas Day- uh no, <laughs> yeah. So Fam- familia, yeah. Like I could do it, but I it seems like I know you couldn't because familia. Yeah. Oh, well, I was just thinking like, would be an awesome Christmas movie. I'm like, dude, fucking jingle all the way. Let's just have Arnie be fucking oh, Turbo dude. Man. Give me the Turbo Man toy now. I need Turbo Man. I need a Turbo Man toy. Sorry, we only have Booster. I don't need Booster. I need Turbo Man. <laughs> he had Sinbad in there too. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome to read for Christmas, but we've like s- stalled forever to do this one with the fucking Jason Statham movie, which should be pretty quick to do. Not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. No, really. All it, right. Yeah. Let's pull up our hot news segment, which isn't really new. It's the newest one of the bunch. Yeah. Hot or not. Yeah. I'm going to grab that bumper. <gasps> All right, today for Hot or Not, good friend good friend Jake sent us a song by Brooke Candy. The song is called Come. <laughs> it has a feature by Iggy Azalea on here. <laughs> Let it out. <laughs> Was it funny because I just like straightforward told you? Yeah, so the song's called Come. Yes, and it's the C-U-M, not the C-O-M-E. I uh, I got nothing. Just play the song. Well, don't you want me to re- want me to read you about who the fuck Brooke Candy is? Yeah, or at least name's- the Spotify uh, fucking bio. Yeah, that name sounds familiar. Who is she? All right. I'll just read you what the Spotify bio says. Sure. What does resistance sound like? What? For starters, it's subverse, spiteful, sexual, and spirited. What? Secondly... It doesn't conform to the status quo at all. And most most importantly, it absolutely positively gives no fucks and never will. Waging all-out war against conventions, expectations, 
and anything else in her path, Los Angeles hardcore pop iconoclast, Brooke Handy. Iconoclast? That's what, dude, that's the fucking word right there. Dude, it literally says hardcore pop, pop iconoclast. Brooke Candy trumps trumpets a call to arms weaponizing by an industrial barrage, hip hop bravado, a bloodthirsty punk recklessness on her twenty on her twenty eighteen independent EP. Who cares? <laughs> like the byproduct of a one night stand between Al Jorgensen and Kathleen Hanna, she carries on a tradition of special of social sabotage. On her own terms. I and then now this is in quotes. I want to make something real, gritty, and dark that doesn't exist in the culture. She explains, if I didn't have Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails, Ministry, L7, and Wendy O, I wouldn't be the person I am. It's important for someone right now to push the envelope. There needs to be an aggressive, body-positive, angry, and unconventional female performer. Girls need to see that. I like to be that lady and make a change. Posted by Brooke Candy. I see. Alright, so let's check out this fucking hardcore pop iconoclast. Hardcore pop. The song called Come, featuring Iggy Azalea. Oh yeah, this sounds so counterculture. Yeah, see that description just makes you want to fucking like actually challenge your statements. <laughs> I know. Now I feel like I'm going to be mean to the song. Do you feel, uh, do you feel the empowerment? That sounds like 90s as fuck. That I can for sure. This is 90s dance. She also sounds like fucking... I'm sorry, mom. A little like 2010s, like fucking that like neon pop bullshit. Oh, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. No. Yeah, this is a... Uh, this is a TikTok song. Is this, is this what the, she wants the little girls to listen to? Did you hear the little meow in the background? No, is this Iggy Azalea? I don't fucking know. Wow. I don't know who Iggy is sounds like. I've heard three songs by her. Well, this is interesting. I said, this has a retro sound. I guess. It's interesting. But literally, it's just fucking pervert talk. I feel like I've heard better songs like this from Missy Elliott. Yeah, I'm trying to think of stuff to say, but I just... Uh, I it's kind of hard nothing. to say. Like, it makes you want to pay attention to how perverted these lyrics are. Like, I don't give a fuck. I mean, I kind of do now, considering that our that my, our our number one fan is my mom. Don't blame me. Blame the song. God damn it, Jake. Seriously, this sounds like it's fucking from the nineties. This sounds like it needs to be in a porn. This sounds like a fucking porno. This sounds like it was in a porno in the nineties. 
Where's yeah. Evan Stone? Yeah, this is Where's a- Siren? Where's Michelle Lay? So yeah, we got some fucking club porno scene about to happen in musical form. Clearly, this is trying to rip off uh, Fuck the DJ. Like, that song's horrible, but, <laughs> but it's not far off from what this was going for. Okay, I'm now, gu- now listen. If you're going to tell me that I... If you're going to somehow explain to me you thought that was hot, I really don't know how I'm going to take that. Because I'm going to be honest, I didn't think that was hot at all. <laughs> I thought that was a not. The song's off the album, Sexorcism. <sighs> I've... Have I heard that somewhere before? I don't know. Uh, sexorcism. Wow. Okay. Cool. Clever. Quirky. Yeah. No, that's getting a knot from me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna say a knot. It's interesting. It's cool that like the for, beats catchy. I don't know why this. Seriously, this, this album came out in 2019. What the fuck is Bone Steel sending us this? Why did he send us this now? This must be a TikTok song. I guess. Here's the thing. I guess for a TikTok song, it could be worse. I'm gonna go with not. I'm just wanna like I'm gonna like say it right now. So you I ain't like leading on and it's like, are you about to say it's hot? Are you about to say it's hot? I'm about to go over there and actually strangle you. <laughs> I wasn't gonna go that far. Well fine, you were just Mariah Carey me or something. Why do you keep what does that mean? I don't know anything about Mariah Carey. I'm sure you know enough. I don't know what that means. I don't trip. The point it's is... It's like me calling... It's me calling good friend uh, Dylan Eskimo Callboy. And he goes like, what does that mean? I'm like, they had a video where all of them had bowl cuts. And you have a bowl cut right now. And we're laughing, but we're not saying anything. Except that bowl cut mullet has actually grown into something pretty sick. For Dylan? Yeah. Yeah, like the like the, top, like the Like the front part's a bowl cut, but it goes into a mullet. I'm like, honestly, it's pretty sick. I like this hairdo. So let me ask you something. This is this is bringing it into the 2020s. So I like this. Let me ask you something. Do you think this song had more attitude than the new Kid Rock song? See, I don't know what attitude. I don't know how to describe what's attitude. It, well, to Here's be the fair, thing, it if, this, if it's like you actually want to just say like want to talk about perverted shit as in sexual liber- liberation to go against whatever the fuck is like you're being counterculture to. Sure. Like, seriously, a fucking look at this. She's in, like, some fucking, like, you know, that bullshit. That's a BDSM latex suit. Whatever, yeah. So, you see, she's in, like... Is that a gimp suit, they call it? I don't know. Oh, yeah, you see, it's, like, she's in some gimp suit and shit. But, like, she literally has songs with, like, you know, Charlie XCX and, like, all that shit. Like, fuck, dude. She name-dropped... She so name dropped, features. She name-dropped L7 and Wendy O from the Plasmatics in the same sense as Al Jorgensen and Nine Inch Nails. That uh, that tells like, you a lot. Like in a sense, like I could give your musical credibility, but when I first read that, I'm like, well, fuck, they're like those are easy to find. I'm like, okay, that's just me being an asshole. There's a lot, like a lot of us could be an asshole towards her, but what she's doing is fine. Oh, it's fine, but it's not a hot. Yeah, it's not. Not hot. for me. Sorry, same Jake. for me. Sorry, Jake. Wonder what Jake thought about it. I don't know. I think he likes sending us perverted tracks to listen to. Yeah, Jake, my mom listens to the show, you asshole. Whatever, that butthole. He's up there writing his freaking, oh, I have heartbreak. I, I have heartbreak. I have an achy, breaky heart <laughs> music. And then he's sending us fucking perverted shit. Bone Steel, pre- Bone Steel presents achy, breaky heart 2021. Yes. Or 2022, whatever it comes out. But yeah, all right. Should we get into our uh, album this week? 
Yeah, what do we listen to? Okay, so we listened to um, iconic 60s duo. I mean, they did have a band with them, but the focus was on them. Simon and Garfunkel, which is the duo comprising of Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel. Now, here's a couple of guys who they were just like, screw it. We'll just do it ourselves. You had, your, you know, back at this time um, when they're because they released albums. Uh, they never released an album together after the 60s. And they started making music together. And I forgot what it said. It was early 60s, though. And, um, you know, you had guys back then at this point in time uh, when this album came out, you know, still ripping off the Beatles. You had your Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. You had your Emerson, Lake and Palmers. And then here come two dudes um, with a folk guitar and a dream. Simon and Garfunkel is a group most people could. I genuinely believe this. Simon and Garfunkel is one of those bands that people could put on the list of not realizing how many songs you've heard by them before. I didn't hear too many off of this song of this album, except for like one but they've got a obviously their biggest songs are sound of silence and uh i confirmed it with my dad they are in fact the guys that wrote hello darkness my old friend so does that sound of silence no that's a different one isn't it I think that's the same fucking song. I'll, I'll investigate. Okay. Continue on. So this is debatably not their most famous album. Uh, it's called... Um, but it's the album that the that we randomly like appeared in the book. Yes. Of a thousand one albums you must listen to before you die. Before, not after. Before. Yeah, before. But yeah, this kind of... you know, Or after. I don't know. You know, this kind of music... I don't need to listen to fucking G-Love and Special Sauce again. This kind of music Fuck that the book on that one. This kind of uh, this kind of album is something that's kind of ingrained in my childhood for both of, for both you and me in a way. Our dads used to love this stuff. This uh, this quote unquote hippie music. Well, it's from that era. I was talking to my dad about him, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, at the time they were really, you know, they were um, they were kind of cool, depending on which crowd you with, because uh, back then they were kind of like universally." Yeah, this is the sound of silence. Oh, whoops. Well, there you go. So that's probably their most well-known song. But yeah, dad, me and dad were talking about it. He was like, yeah, you know, they were considered like just soft rock back then. And he was just kind of talking to me how, you know, the genres of music back then were what they were called and then what they were called later. Like, you know, they were pretty much just called soft rock, which is true. But, you know, listening to the sound, there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's like old like country for the time period. There's folk. There's some rock and roll and stuff. And, um, and yeah, it was just kind of neat. He mentioned how, uh, actually back then, uh, Black Sabbath was actually called acid rock before the term heavy metal cut on. And I just thought that was really neat. Neat. So, uh, before we get into the album, one other thing I wanted to bring up is, uh, okay. Did you listen to the new dream theater album? No. Okay. So I, why would I, so I listened to the new dream theater album and let me tell you, I just know the last thing I heard about (laughs) dream theater is them complaining why women don't go to their shows. Wait, they what? That was fucking metal journalism at its finest. <laughs> Article of of like guitar player John Petrucci wondering why women do not, why not more women would go to their shows. Oh, Petrucci, why? Anyway, I point that out because going from that album to this album, um, it's just a real jump in a lot of ways. So yeah. 
So track number one is called Scarborough Fair slash Canticle. Uh, I found out later this is actually a classic, I think, Irish piece of music. Um, this song comes on, and I'm going to be honest, right away, uh, I was hooked. It's the two of them with uh, some uh, with some guitars, you know, acoustic, acoustic guitars. instruments. Yeah, and at three minutes and uh, some change, it's a pretty good length. It's very nice to listen to. I liked it anyway. They're vo- they're they are really good at singing together. Good harmonies. It's just a nice song. Great guitar work. I don't know if this guitar work would have cut it on the new Dream Theater album, but I gave this song an eight out of ten. I really like. What you opener. coming in asking for fucking pure fucking musical shred? No, <laughs> what you're gonna get for the first song is a song of romance and kitchen spices. Six out of ten. <laughs> Six out of ten. This was a good song. I really liked it. Well, I could oh, tell. Shit. I was spoiled the next song. I thought it was a seven out of ten. Oh, me too. Song track two is called Patterns. This song has good build up. The twang of the guitar, the gradual increase of percussion in the background, and that bass line too. It's all good stuff. My one criticism though, song kind of doesn't go anywhere. It just kind of builds and builds, and then it just reaches there's a lot a- of these songs that just fade out. Yeah, um, seven out of ten. There would have been payoff for this song if it was on the new Dream Theater album. Well, I can tell you for song two, I like this a little bit more than the first song. So, ah, uh, seven out of ten. I already said it. Yeah. So now, no more spoiling. Track three is called Clouds. This acoustic riff at the beginning invoked memories of the opening acoustics to Roundabout by Yes. Just similar progressions. When this song got going, though, this song had, um, you know, had... Um, had some real good drums. They were doing that old uh, old school country drum beat where it's like boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom. That's actually what that old, that's actually what that drum riff is called. Reminded me of like an old Willie Nelson song, but prettier. It kind of comes and goes like the last one. Feels more like an interlude than a song, but it's still good. Uh, six out of ten. I feel like the song would have been longer if it was on the new Dream Theater album. For not being the Dream Theater album, this uh, the song sounded like show tunes. Six out of ten. A little bit, actually, now that I think about it. Track four is called uh, Homeward Bound. The song was nice. It continued the folk country blend that they did with the last song, and it's pretty and catchy. It's um, it's it's kind of my favorite kind of folk song where it's like lyrically, it's just about being on the road. That's what this felt like. This was like a song about, you know, being on the road. It's, it's folk music to me always felt like traveling music, you know, I haven't I haven't commented on it yet, but um, I think because uh, Art Garfunkel's the main singer and I think he writes he wrote most of the lyrics. Lyrics are really good. There's some real relatability here and more good guitar work. Six out of ten. Yeah, this was. Uh, <clears throat> are we on song four? Yeah. OK. As we're down, it was an OK song. Six out of ten. Not much for me to like really say here. No commentary, nothing witty. Yeah. I'm like, it was an okay song. No, there was defi- but, uh, it's worth a six out of ten. There was definitely more relatable lyrics on this song than the new Dream Theater album. They were singing about aliens and shit on this new one. I wonder why women don't show up to their shows. Maybe women show up to Simon and Garfunkel shows. You know what's funny when you said that? The first thing I thought of was like, they were like the nerdy kids in the libraries that like that, that the girls don't talk to. And they're like, why don't girls talk to us? <laughs> I think they're all married too. Actually, wait. At least one or two of them are. Whatever. So track five is called The Big Bright Green Pleasure Machine. The song sounded like it should have been playing during a Scooby-Doo chase sequence. Seven out of ten. Sorry, I was yawning. (laughs) Big Bright Green was also tight. Seven out of ten. Yeah. See, there's nothing on the new Dream Theater album that would have been on on a Scooby-Doo chase. Yeah, come on. It's Dream Theater. And women don't show up to their shows. 
That's two things we know now women don't like is is good friend Bone Steel and Dream Theater. Okay, I'm sure some women show up to those shows. Some women do. They're just true. wondering why why more. more. Don't. Why more? Now I actually want to go to Dream Theater just to see how many women to see what a sausage fest it is. Yes. Track six is okay. This song title is weird. It's called the 59th Street Bridge Song. Parentheses, feeling groovy. Some good, easy listening. It sounds like some indie ditty that you'd hear in like a coffee shop, but it's kind of non-existent. It's like less than two minutes. It comes and goes, and it didn't really leave an impact. And then when it was over, I was like, wait, that's it? Five out of ten. Really? Yeah. Because I wrote down, you've heard this song before, but it had a tight swing to it on the drums, and and it was groovy. And I thought it gave it seven out of ten. I'm like shocked that you haven't heard this song before. Yeah. Yeah, is this, or at least I don't, because I was wondering, it's like, is this a cover? Because it's the one that's like, ooh, feeling groovy. And I'm like, I've heard that before. I can't remember. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I just can't remember. Ah, I listen to more boomer music than you. Ha ha. Fuck off. Oh my God. Fuck you. That's track, a flex. <laughs> track seven is. That's a dumb flex. Track seven is The Dangling Conversation. The song started folk and turned into a Disney song. It was like acoustic with some, like, you know, mild percussion, but then these like strings came in. I'm like, yo, good singing, good music. I liked it. This I gave a seven out of ten. It was like sappy in a good way. All right. This I wrote down this had some orchestra stuff. Yeah. But was okay. Six out of ten. Track eight is called Flowers Never Bend with the Rainfall. I'm sorry to say that this song at this point in the album of listening was kind of more of the same. It's got the boom chicka boom beat and again, very poetic lyrics, but it wasn't really anything amazing for me. It's definitely music that, you know, by myself, I can like get emotionally invested in because I'm just one of those music, one of those people that music touches their penis in such a way, but it was only good. Six out of ten. See, uh, wrote down for song eight. Yeah. This was kind of filler. Five out of ten. Mm, fair. Track nine is called... Okay, I don't know how to say this. A simple... Disluptory philic? I don't know, dude. I just know he's name-dropping a bunch of dudes that in the 60s he said he's kicked it with, like Phil Spector and freaking um, Mick Jagger. Uh, song was quirky. 60s organ and harmonicas. Also, I think they talk about the government tapping the phone wires. I don't know. Six out of ten. The album felt like it was dragging on a bit at this point, which considering it's under 30 minutes, that's not really a good thing. Well, here's the thing about this song. Uh, here's the thing about this song. When he's when he mentioned Bob Dylan, this song sounded like a generic Bob Dylan song. Six out of ten. Ooh. Harsh. I mean, well, actually, no, no, fair, but harsh. I'm like, when I was... Well, to me, it sounded different. I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm listening to Bob Dylan. But this is like middle of the ground Bob Dylan. Six yeah. out of ten. Track 10 is... Well, yeah, they were like naming whoever the fuck. Yeah, it was a weird song. I almost wanted to look up the lyrics. I didn't, but I was just like, like what the fuck is he I'm just talking more about? I was more curious. Like, is this a Bob Dylan song? I don't think so. Track 10 is called For Emily Whenever I May Find Her. This song is pretty, but it made me come to a realization. This album jumps around a lot in sound, which is cool, and I normally like that, but it feels like this album was like two different EPs that they spliced together and just switched up the track list. This song, and then I realized this song is my favorite kind of Simon and Garfunkel. I, I really like their minimalist acoustic stuff. The upbeat Rocky stuff is cool, but it doesn't grab me as much. Other than that, the song is good. Paul Simon has some really good hands, and he and Art sing very well together. Six out of ten. Yeah, for song ten, I just wrote down kind of filler. Five out of ten. 
Track 11 is A Poem on the Underground. <laughs> I must have been tired when I wrote this one. I just wrote here, an artsy weed song, someone in the background plays a mean tambourine. Six out of ten. Really? I was like, wrote down, I vibe with the vibe with this one. There was a tight vocal delivery pattern that was going on, and I really like there was a cool acoustic guitar riff. I vibe with this really good. Eight out of ten. Ooh, damn. Well, at least it touched you pretty good. Yes, it touched me. Maybe I was actually paying attention. You were like, if this was on the Dream Theater album. No, I went and took a nice walk in nature to actually like sit down and listen. That was to probably this. the best way to listen to Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, be distrib- Yeah, no, take all like material distractions away from me. Yeah, I mean, and technically, actually pay attention to this. I mean, you're technically listening to it on a distraction, but I get what you mean. Okay, now track twelve. This song gripped me. It's called Seven O'clock News Slash Silent Night. This song is trippy. So there's so Simon and Garfunkel are singing Silent Night like the Christmas song. And but there's a newscaster reading off like what at the time was current like event news stuff, you know, about how people were getting killed, things with civil rights and race stuff, and also Richard Nixon saying we could look forward to five more years of war in Vietnam, all while they sing really beautifully, and there's a single piano playing. Uh, it was I gave that shit an eight out of ten. It was haunting, really powerful. I liked it. I like stuff like that. Eight me, out of 10. I wrote down drugs and Christmas. At first, I was going to give it a 5 out of 10, but more of like the freaking newscast, newscast kind of won me over, but I really don't like Silent Night, the song. Like in general? Yes. Oh. Silent Night. Sorry, it just bores me. Well, Christmas songs are honestly the worst songs. See, everyone says that, but like, I don't know. I like Christmas songs. I, I like Christmas, but the Christmas songs can sometimes, like Silent Night, just bore me. I can go to sleep to this, but I'll give it a six out of ten. Have you heard the? Uh, I will be nice. Your problem is you just ha- you just need to listen to the Eric Cartman version of Silent Night. Have you heard that one? Yeah, but that's not good. Not everyone's going around going Silent Night. So out of a score of hundred and twenty, I gave this album a seventy four, which you know. It was fine. Would I listen to the whole thing again? Nah. Would I listen to a handful of songs off here? Yeah, I'd, I'd throw them. Uh, I'd throw them in my liked songs playlist over on Spotify. So yeah, um, not sure I needed to hear it before I die, but I'm glad I did hear it before I. This did. is not G Love. <laughs> I'm fine with this. Is that? I think I asked this last week. Is that the worst one the book has recommended so far? It's the one that's pissed me off the most. <laughs> <laughs> like this did not piss me off. I wrote down honestly, this was easy, pleasant listening. Yeah, it was ha- like Simon and Garfunkel have really tight vocal harmonies. Yeah, they do. That was really like cool and interesting listening to. And some of these are really cool to good songs. <clears throat> also, Garfunkel's a G. He I've read an interview somewhere. He said his favorite record of all time was Fleetwood Max's Rumors. Well, that's a very very awesome record. It's a really good album. Yes. All right. Want to pick? Want to? See what next week has in store? Yes. Oh, get over here, Robert. Okay. Robert, uh, is it? Oh, it's Dimmery. I keep thinking it's Dimitri. All right. Books in hand. Here we go. <sighs> okay, everyone. Left, right, forward, back. Triple D on the attack. Puta. 
Frank Zappa's Hot Rats. That sounds very interesting. 1969. Six songs, 47 minutes. Sounds like a Frank Zappa record. The second to last song is 16 minutes. So this was called Frank Zappa... Rats? Hot Rats. Hot? Hot Rats. I've actually never listened to Zappa before, to my knowledge. I haven't really either. Like I, mean, I haven't, a, a I couple sporadic. I haven't seeked out to listen to Zappa. Yeah, yeah. Now, has Zappa been played in my existence? Maybe. Yeah. I won't know till I like go and listen to it. This album's interesting. It's um, this is a, they have a direct quote from Mr. Zappa in here. The very idea, an instrumental album except for one vocal cut. Why are we wasting America's precious time with this asshole? That's what Frank Zappa had to say about his own record when he was talking about it. An entirely instrumental album apart from Beefheart's vocals. So this is all instrumental. Hot Rats is all about Virtusuo playing and his heavily jazzed influences. So you're telling me that this might have been on the new Dream Theater album? Sounds hype. Well, let's compare it to the new Dream Theater album. We listen. I will kidding. hold that to you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You don't have to listen to Dream Theater if you don't want to. You I should. Not. You should because they're really good. Fuck off. I like Dream Theater. They're great. Yeah. But stop making me listen to Dream Theater. <laughs> Give in to the prog, James. No. I'd rather listen to something better than Dream Theater. More interesting. I want to listen to something that if it's prog, I don't want to listen to Dream Theater. I would most likely seek out something else. I Other were, than Dream Theater. I thought you were going to say Genesis for a second. Well, maybe. I might go listen to Phil Collins' Genesis. That's already an easy option right there. Yeah, that's true. If I want to go, I want to go listen to Phil Collins. I don't want to listen to fucking Noodlers and <laughs> fucking Dream Theater. Hey, man, they've been... They've, uh, maybe women actually show up to <laughs> Phil Collins' Genesis. What about Dream Theater? Oh, yeah, you bet they did. I mean, Easy Lover didn't happen for nothing. But that was just... A fucking Phil Collins and the dude from like Earth, Wind and Fire. I know it's a great. It's probably one of his best solo songs. Yeah, the dude from Earth, Wind and Fire. I think it might be his best solo song. Phil Collins? I'd say so. No, not Phil Collins. Phil Collins has bangers. I'm talking about the Earth, Wind and Fire dude. Well, no, that's a Phil Collins song. He, no, it's the Earth, Wind and Fire. No, it's his song. He's a feature on there. No, Easy Lover. It's a Phil, Phil Collins. Collins is the feature on that for him. No, it's the other way around. It's Spotify it, bitch. I fucking will. Spotify it right now as I'm going to grab a timestamp. You're going to feel so stupid. <laughs> sure. I'm going to pull this up and you're going to be like, oh my God, you're so big brained. I thought the big head was just for show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Easy lover. Well. What did you find? Go fuck yourself. I told you. Then why was it? Is it on a Phil Collins greatest hit CD I own? That's a Phil Collins greatest hits. Originally, it's on a Philip. It's on a Philip Bailey full length. What movie do we watch this week today, James? Sorry, I was big braining you, dog. Shut up. For this week, I randomly decided, uh, fuck it, let's do another like three movie journey. So we were like talking about Jason Statham. I'm like, hot lol, let's watch the Transporter movies. 
This should be some fun, cheesy action. Are we going to watch the reboot? No. Okay. I only want Statham. <laughs> I'm only here for Statham. Fuck, heard, the, fuck the dude that isn't Statham. I heard the one that isn't Statham's movie is actually not half bad. It's just the only problem is it isn't Jason Statham. <laughs> I'm only here for Jason Statham. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, I had a really quick... I had an interesting experience with this movie I wanted to tell you on the podcast. So, whenever we do these movies, I usually rent them on YouTube if they're available. Um, and I started watching it on uh, one day. And I couldn't watch it the next day. And the way it works is you have two weeks to play it. But once you play it, then it expires in 48 hours. Kind of weird, but whatever. So um, on the second day, I was like 10 minutes away from the end of the movie. And then the video just stopped. And I'm like, what the fuck? And my rental expired. And when your rental expires, the shit just goes away. And I'm like, God damn it. I don't want to pay for it again, but it's for the podcast, whatever. It's only like three bucks. So I went to go pay for it. And uh, (laughs) so remember how I said earlier, I was just barely to get my parents Christmas gifts. Um, Well, I dropped a bit on it and my bank was like, ooh, we don't like that. That's that's money, bro. Why are you spending this much and spending like three dollars? What the hell's going on? So they froze the card. And I was, and so I called them that day. I'm like, all right, fine, because that's always what I gotta do. I gotta unlock it. Actually, I could just usually go on the app and verify, but the app wasn't working, and it wasn't business hours. So I'm like, okay, fine, I'll call them tomorrow. Long story short, uh, my card still isn't working, and they said, oh yeah, we'll 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 reactivate it before Christmas. I'm waiting for an email. So I had to find. So there's a rip version of this on YouTube, but it like jumps ahead every like couple of tens is 10 ish seconds. Oh, so I'm what I'm saying is I hope you have good notes for the last 10 minutes of this movie because mine are really weird. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Well, hopefully my memory serves me right. So, OK, then we're already opening up with a fucking disaster. Right. This is, was not my fault. kind of was. How was it my fault? You didn't review it in enough time. But, 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 I could, I, there wasn't, I, let's just get to the movie. Whatever, we're just going to open up with the title screen, which yeah. looks like some garbage security camera open with total bad Matrix knockoff, like, font. You know what I wrote here? I wrote here, this feels like early 2000s Matrix ripoff. Whatever, yeah. Well, this movie was from the early two thousands, so definitely a Matrix ripoff because the Matrix was hot, and I want to go. I want to watch the new. I want, uh, bitch. Sorry, pizza burp. I want to want. I want to watch the new Matrix movie, but I'm stuck here podcasting. So we see a shot of Jason Statham, and he's yeah. playing class. He starts playing classical music in his car. He's in a goes garage. For a cruise. Yeah, he's in a garage, and he drives through what it looked like at the time. It looked like L.A. or Florida. I found out later this was France, but whatever. So in a French <clears throat> in a French looking beach town, and then he goes back. Um, he goes. He's driving through town, and eventually he arrives at a bank as it's being robbed. The robbers get in the car, and in this one scene, it's established that he is a transporter. And this Jason Statham character is very meticulous. Four guys get in and he's like, there's four of you because he said the deal was for three. And then the guy's trying to tell him to drive and he's like, rule number one, never change the deal. So the guy's trying to intimidate him, puts a gun to his head, doesn't work. And then Jason Statham calmly explains to him 
Um, how much weight they're all carrying with four bodies and how the what car- it would have been with three bodies. Yeah. How much the car's weight is with gas. And that the car only has just enough gas for them to get away. And it's also counting for Jason's evasive maneuvers. So he goes. So after that long, complicated monologue, one of the bad guys kills one of the other bad guys, throws him out of the car and uh oh and and he says you can't kill me because you need a code to get to get jason statham's car working so after they so after they say fucking and kill that one guy the chase is on the scene of jason driving and the music it felt like it felt like an old need for speed game on the ps2 it's pretty hype now i don't remember exactly this one but later in the movie these fight these action scene music the, the score for the action scenes it's kind of fucking atrocious, not gonna lie. Oh, I thought sh- they were cheesy, but in like, like a good way. No, they were kind of just like bad at times. I'm like, what is this <laughs> fucking just like low budget audio? The movie does actually feel kind of low budget, except for the stunts. We'll see once the second one comes around. I feel like they do step up. Yeah. But this one definitely felt low budget, but it's the first. Plus, this movie's way more serious. Like, they do ridiculous stuff, but Transporter 2 and 3, I know for a fact, everyone was like, yo, these movies are so ridiculous. This movie was pretty low key. It tried to be a movie. Then it, well, I won't know until I watch the second one, once we're done here. So. I might go do that. Wait. I need my laptop. I want to go and watch Transporter. Disregard me thinking. So there's not too many crazy notes for this chase other than a couple bits where like, um, sorry. Um, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, not we're too many just cr- talking about the car chase scene. Yeah. I, my fucking notes got all messed up. The point is there's not too many crazy notes. I just know that, um, that one guy, like that one moment he stops to yeah, vomit and almost got him arrested. But then Jason Statham drives off a bridge Onto one of those big ass uh, semis, yeah, that hauls cars. Yes, he lands perfectly on the thing, and then as they're driving, he shoots a lever that releases a car that crashes onto at least one cop car. And this is when I realized, oh my god, Fast and Furious just ripped off their shit from this movie. It feels like ha 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 ha. The chase ends when Jason leads them into a train yard and then ducks past a train and away from the cops. And then one of the cops starts running and then shouts police stop he shoots gets angry looks like he's going to throw his gun throws his hat instead and yells i am fed up with this car chase in a french accent yes that's very awkward so yeah good chase and then bam we cut to a dude smoking a cigarette on top of a hill on top of a car on top of a hill uh and honestly it looks like they're in southern california i don't think they are but it looks like they're in Southern they're California. They show up to a cliffside. Statham appears, and he's about to drop off the gentleman. But the gentleman try to give like they give him him money, and he like feels like there's extra money in here. And there it's like, oh, could you drive us further? And he's like, no. The deal was, I drive you here. Exactly. Take this extra money back. Go with that dude. I'm going home. And then we see Jason at his house washing the blood off his car. He's changing the license plates and then listening to the news. And funnily enough, those idiots from earlier got caught because they had a shitty driver. That made me laugh. Then he gets paid a visit by this inspector dude. Did you ever get his name? Maybe later. Uh, Just call him the inspector. I called him Inspector Clouseau, like from the Pink Panther. uh, Inspector Clouseau. 
so basically, Inspector Clouseau is like, hey, there was um there was a robbery made with a car that looks a lot like yours. What the fuck's up with that? The scene establishes that these two have a familiarity, and clearly he's totally aware of Jason's bullshit, but either has no direct evidence or whatever. It's a pretty good scene. Statham isn't like he isn't like trying to like really act, and the French dude is playing has pretty good English. Also, Jason Statham's voice sounded weird a bit in this movie. He's very young here. Well, I also found out young I th- in his career. I think he's supposed to be American because his name's Frank. And spoilers, it says later he was in the military, but they clarify. I'm pretty sure like American military. He was in some sort of military. So I think he was trying to do an American accent, but instead he just kind of sounded like a goober. This is an early movie. <laughs> Sorry, this isn't. You're not getting Hobbs and Shaw, Jason Statham here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh my god, he was so great in that movie. Okay, so let me find where it was. Okay, so eventually he fucks off and Statham gets a call for a job. We cut to him getting information at a bar. This scene is nice because it lets us uh, see his process rather than it just being left unanswered or being left at oh he's just quirky or something. He asks about the size of the package, the weight the destination he charges half up front half upon completion and he even like burns the piece of paper that he writes his little notes on nothing to stand out about it but it's good i tell you what jason had a real charm about him even back then there's just something natural about him when he's on camera yeah while talking to some dude in a turtleneck about (laughs) like the seriousness of the job and being very specific the deal does not change Mm -hmm. give me the exact dimension so i know Mm -hmm. and we're good yes so, so the next scene, he's waiting for the package. They give him the package and he drives. That's not me cutting around. That's just what this is a movie where they actually like to like let scenes breathe and like, you know, not just jump from scene to scene to scene. So if I if it sounds like I'm jumping in notes, it's just because I'm just telling you what happened. Yeah. So he drives and then uh, he runs. Uh, I think he gets like a flat tire or something on a mountain road. He goes to change it, but upon well, opening, the, yeah, well, no, nah, no, nah, you go. Say so, so he gets a flat tire and he go. He pulls off to the side of the road to change it. Upon opening the trunk, he sees that the package is moving. There is clearly a body in there, and he just fucking ignores it and changes the tire and starts driving again. That was trippy. Then he stops for snacks, and there's like this kind of sinister like score going on in the background too. I'm like, okay, damn, this is tense. Then he stops again later on for a snack and a drink at a gas station, and then stops again to open the bag and sees there's a woman in there. He takes her up a bit, and like he he uses a knife to like cut a little hole because there's duct tape over her mouth. Yes, so that she can drink from this thing. And he zips her back up in the body bag and starts driving. But then she starts screaming away, demanding that she needs to go take a leak. And eventually, um, after that, he... Like, I don't think the scene was supposed to be funny. Well, here's the thing. But I kind of laughed. <laughs> I thought this movie was supposed to be funny. Well, what, I know the movie is, is supposed to be serious, but I'm like, I came here seeing some campy Jason Statham bullshit. But like, this is human smuggling. But then at the same time, he lets her go to the bathroom, but he ties like a big, he has like a big long rope in his car and he ties it around the woman's neck and he holds it while she goes off the side of the road to pee like it's a big giant leash. 
And I'm like, I'm really confused on what I'm supposed to feel right now. But either way, the lady starts at some, was able to escape. So then Statham has to go hunt her down in the woods. And he's muttering to himself, rule number three, Frank, don't look at the package. Why'd you have to look at the package? (laughs) <laughs> well, you have to look at the package, Frank. Ah, I see. I can't do his weird, shitty American voice. I can only do Just my do the Jason normal Statham voice. He's like rule number one: don't change the rules. Rule number three: never look at the package. Rule Damn it, two, Frank! You rule, had to look at the package. Rule two: no names. No names. Why'd you look at the package, Frank? Why'd you look at the package, Frank? So he tracks her down and brings her back. Then there's two cop-looking dudes there. And then they stare at him. He He, stares at them. They stare at her. Because they see a woman that's tied up. On his shoulders. And then she goes, Ah! And then the cops try to fight him. But then Jason Statham just Jason Statham's the shit out of them. And they're out in like two seconds. He not to the extent of Romeo must die, but he did temporarily use the woman as a weapon, which is funny because I found out that the fight, the fight, the fight choreographer on this movie was actually was actually uh, is actually a Jet Li homeboy. Nice. Who also worked with him on Romeo must die. So that tells me he likes having he likes women being used to hit men. Yes. Um, so, so after he, Satan beats up the bike cops, I think he arrives to the destination. Yeah, and we meet his client, who I could never remember his name, so I just called him uh, Douchey Billionaire. He's like weird and I just, breathy, too. I, I just wrote down, we meet a goofy goatee bad guy. He's like, I like him. Hey, I need something transported. That's what you do, right? Like he's talking to him, like he's talking to him, like he wants to like fucking rub oil on his chest. It's weird. Well, the man that wants to rub oil on Statham's chest, he congratulates was- him on a job well done, and he's like, "That was the only, that was the first thing I could think of." He just sounded like he was very happy to be talking to Jason Statham, and wants to rub oil on his chest. Also, this is where I found out, uh, looking at the scene, God, Jason Statham is short. Like they're not trying to hide his height at all. Like they're not trying to hide his height at all. There's a scene where he's talking to him and it's like from the ground looking up, but it doesn't hide the dimensions. Like I think Jason Statham is like as tall as us. Like 5'10, 5'11, maybe. Who knows? Maybe more. But either way, so Statham gets another job for a suitcase transportation. Yeah, he pulls into a gas station and he gets grab refreshments for the cop for the bike cops that are in his trunk. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, he gets himself a snack and he's big chilling and then he's waiting. He's walking back out and then bam, his fucking car explodes. And then can I take a second for the sad for uh eulogy for the bike cop for the two innocent bike cops that got their ass whipped and then died in a fiery explosion? Well, actually, no, because the trunk I, of a BMW. Well, actually, no, because I forgot they were in the trunk. I was going to take a second to be nice to this. Movie. Where else were the bike cops at? I just wanted to take a second to say I really appreciate this movie on how it utilizes time for a few reasons. Uh, first and foremost, this is an action movie. But like I said earlier, the scenes breathe. They take their time. You know, this movie kind of reminded me of like you're playing like an old video game. Like there's not a lot of dialogue in this movie at all. But the bit there is, it drives forward the plot. But then there's just like it's just all action. I like that movie has good pacing. Plus, it's really easy to take notes. We're like 20 ish minutes into the film already. Um, yes. And pretty good pacing. That explosion made me jump because 
it it took the time. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm here at the gas station. Oh, now it explodes. No, they took their time. I like that. Yeah, they showed that he was at the gas station getting drinks and a snack for himself. So this is when I think the transporter starts to show signs that it's the transporter that we know. Because then we see Mr. Statham go on a fucking home invasion rampage. He gets so Statham's pissed, right? So what does he do? He goes back to the mansion, rings the doorbell, and a guy goes to answer... And then goes on a rampage. And he fucking drop kicks the door. <laughs> and he gets in there and he starts whipping ass. There's some great like style of shit too going on here. There's this one shot where he uses a tablecloth to like flip up a gun and it's like flying in the air amongst cards and cigarettes. I'm like, I'm like, you know, there's cool stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> and then there's just other things too, like. I'm about like the choreography, like Jason Statham kills dudes in this movie. But for the most part, at least in these early fights, um, it's really only if he's in life and death situations, like if he's immediately in danger. If you notice, he really just incapacitates everybody. And I just think that's a neat touch. There's this one really uh, well put together fight. I think it's one of the more famous fights in this movie, or at least it's one of the well, ones that's later. No, this one coming. No, this one like right here. Um because he kicks everyone's ass and then two dudes come at him with axes okay and here's the thing i want to say about this fight sure i actually wrote a notes down this had the calmest soundtrack score going on the what the calmest (laughs) while there's a violent rampage going through this mansion house it definitely wasn't very high octane This was supposed to be a high octane scene, but a very calming sound freaking soundtrack going. And I'm like, the music in this movie is very weird. <laughs> it's like you're having a God of War fight, but instead it's just like fucking Kingdom Hearts uh, menu music going Anything on. Anything note on this rampage? Because all I know, it ends with uh, Statham. He jacks some dude's Mercedes. Yeah. I think he jacks freaking evil goatee's Mercedes and then bounces out. Yeah, the only other thing I want to notice is that the choreography during the axe fight was uh, really good. I think it's one of the more famous fights from this movie because it's it's enough of one to where that YouTube channel movie clips uh, uploaded uh, uploaded to the channel. And yeah, no, it's really good. It's kind of weird seeing Jason Statham do this martial arts stuff. I mean, he is actually like a martial artist. I think I mentioned it. Um, I think I mentioned it later. Um, so I'll say it when I get there. But uh, he is like, you know a martial artist guy he has a black i think he has a i don't think he has a black belt but he does do martial arts so oh yeah at some point that lady that was in the bag like they showed her in the dungeon but she escapes i oh, think yeah. during the rampage and after statham steals a mercedes he's out for a drive and the lady like pops out of the back seat and then he stops tapes her up in a chair about to drive off but then he has a conscience and he comes back to the lady and takes him takes her home with him that was the funny thing because like Cause like I think she was still tied to the chair when she was made it into the car, because he just pulls her out. It just I guess she her. was still tied to a chair. I thought I she no. I thought she was like Lucy and Goosey running around, but I guess she was able to wheel herself into a car I don't magically. Know. So then, yeah, like you said, he feels bad and then comes back for her and then throws her in back in the trunk. So then he gets to his house and brings her with him. He takes her to the kitchen and proceeds to make her instant ramen. And he gives her chopsticks, too. He asks her some questions. This is kind of funny. He asks her some questions, and if she takes too long, he puts the tape back over her mouth. That was the music going on in this fight scene. 
What That's is right. this? He is literally fighting a man with an axe while this like a bum 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 bum. This sounds like uh this this sounds like menu music to an old football game. Seriously, why do we have fucking video game menu music for a fight scene? Maybe I was so appalled by well, there this. Was a, there was a, there was a lot of uh, hip hop in this movie. Maybe they were trying to. Maybe they thought if they gave it a kind of a like a like a vague hip hop sound, it would you know it would be it would be cool. Because sometimes that stuff goes really good with fight scenes. So uh, honestly, hip hop kind of goes better with fight scenes more than like rock and metal music does. Um, I don't know. Sometimes. Do we need another fucking fight scene with bodies? All right, so <laughs> where are we at with the ramen? Okay, so he gives her the ramen, and then he asks her some questions. But if she takes too long to answer, uh, he tapes her mouth back up. And the long and short of it is we find out her name is Lie, and he's in deep shit. Like, literally, he asks her, he says, how deep a shit am I in? And she's like, deep shit. I'm like, okay, good talk. So he's she basically tells her, you're free to fuck off. But she sticks around for a while and rummages through his belongings. Through this, we see his ex-military. This is where I said American military, I think. Um, this is what and I noted here. I thought Jason's voice sounded weird. Uh, then we see the billionaire douche go into his ho- go into the hospital, going to talk to one of his mooks. He asks him, who did this? And the guy's like, it was the transporter. And then for pretty much no reason I can understand, he kills him. Yeah, because he's a bad guy with a shitty goatee. And bad guys with shitty goatees are the worst villains. Yeah, because they'll well, just kill whoever yeah. because they think they're cool. But then us as an audience go like, you're a dork. Statham, whip his ass already. Whip this guy's ass. <sighs> so next morning, Jason wakes up and finds a lie has cooked him breakfast, coffee and tea. Didn't know what he liked, so she made both, I guess. And... um made some I, I forget what the name of the dish was she she said she made so he's chilling she's trying to be nice and then inspector clouseau shows up he's like hey jason how about that coffee brah and so they talk and then the whole reason he's here is he's come to deliver to jason statham uh one of the license plates from his cars it got beat up or whatever Ooh, yeah i know I think, you know, that was the car that freaking exploded. Yeah. And the inspector came up was like, so I think your car got like caught on fire. You know what happened with it? Someone stole my car. That is very sad to hear that, that, that my car got caught on fire. Yeah, yeah. So he's being questioned. He's like, did you report it? How'd you get home? But then uh, a lie comes to his aid and basically says, oh, yeah, he was stranded or whatever. So I helped him out. And you could tell that through a wrench in the guy's questioning. And he's like, well, I don't see a car. And then Jason's like, oh, it's in the garage. Yeah. And yeah, there's a. it's the car that Jason hotwired earlier. More and more questioning. Scene drags a little bit. And then Jason goes back inside and bemoans how Lie has ruined his nice, quiet life. I live a nice, quiet life. And I like it quiet. But then he noticed it's, it is quiet. It's too quiet. They're just chilling. And bam! A CGI rocket blows up his house. Well, it blows up. There's like a little tower thing on it. It blows that up, and then it comes crashing down through the uh, thing. Your computer is on some shit. No, it's just fucking messenger notifications. Just ignore oh. it. Uh, but yeah, so it's yeah. It's recording. You can still talk. So yeah, dudes are... Um, so yeah, and then dudes are there to shoot up Jason Statham's house. 
Yes. He's getting fucking bombarded by bullets and rocket launchers. I mean, really, there's four dudes with assault rifles, and they're just like, rat-a-tat-tat-tat, rat-a-tat. And then, and then Homeboy just keeps firing rockets at the house. It's great. And then friggin' eventually, Statham and the lady go to go and like find scuba gear, and they swim away to safety. Because there's like... A pool of water. Now, I do admit there was a sick shot where they're escaping down like his weird little like elevator as the rocket shoots down the elevator. But either way, they escape. They get found a pool of water and they're swimming around. They break into a house as they try to find clothes. And then the lady wants to have sex for all the trouble that she has caused. (laughs) And yes, Statham obliges. They totally have sex, you guys. Then they go talk to the inspector of Statham's house being destroyed. And they have a far-fetched story of why it was destroyed. And the inspector asks, why would your house be attacked by friggin' machine guns and rocket launchers? <laughs> I don't recall a far-fetched story because it's kind of been a week since I watched this movie. Because uh, we should have been uh, recording this podcast earlier. So my memory's a little fuzzy. But I just remember they just conjured a far-fetched story. Then the inspector bounces out of his office for a second. And then Lai hacks his computer. Yes. To look up information on fucking shitty goatee bad guy. Because they were looking up what kind of black... They looked up a black Mercedes and see people who own one. And they found the information on the name of shitty goatee bad dude. Yeah. (laughs) And then... Not much else to say. And then she wants to go after him. She hails a cab. And then she's like, why aren't you coming? He's like, you're going to go meet that guy? She's like, yeah. He's like, okay, cool. Bye. I'm like, I do, I literally don't want to do this. I do criminal activities. And, and then, now they think I'm dead. So I'm going to go start a, a life where people think that dude is dead. And, then and I she, shall be a new Frank. And then she says. I shall be Frank too. And then she says, and this is how she says it. He blew up your car. He blew up your house. He tried to kill you. But then eventually she goes like, there are, uh, that dude is actually part of a thing of freaking uh, human, sm- of like uh, human trafficking. Can you please help me stop him? He says no. She leaves and then Statham has a conscious and decides to go. Yeah, I wrote here, uh, Statham doesn't give a shit about your harrowing sob story. So I don't remember what goes on because after her explaining about the human trafficking and then like her wanting to save her family from a shipping container... Because she was like talking about that. Goatee, I just wrote down as my next bullet point. Goatee is ambushed by Statham. Oh, okay. So I guess Statham goes to his office place. And yeah, it's literally the next But scene. like the lady's also there too. And she starts being sketchy. Because we meet her dad. Yeah, who she had said just a few minutes ago was part of, you know, the people in the cargo. But no. No, no, no. He's we- part of... He's part of the actual, like, he's the one doing the smuggling. Yeah. It's his ring. It's his racket. And then her dad, by the way, can I say her dad, by the way, is doing a really great cheesy job at being a sleazy businessman. He he was, he was good. Eventually, the cops show up and a guy named Leo shows up and kicks Jason Statham's ass. And then Inspector Clouseau shows up and he's like, oh, no. And then Billionaire Man's like, oh, no, Mr. Big Bad Jason Statham broke into my office. Inspector knows it's bullshit, but he can't do anything about it. So he takes Statham away and then we cut to him in a cell. Also, Lie is now in the possession of the bad guys. And I'm going to get a water. Go for it. You mean Statham? 
No, Statham's in a cell. Lies captured now. Yeah, yeah. So lies captured. Statham's in a cell. So yeah, in the cell, the inspector and Statham are talking. Statham breaks the news to him, like, yeah, no. So I guess I'm being like, Lie is like helping me, having me help her with some human trafficking ring and try to take it down. And Inspector's like, cool, that'd be cool for me. So then, like, all right, let's come up with a plan. And Inspector has him hold. Inspector has Statham hold him hostage as he uses him to escape the station. That was one of the weirdly to me. That was one of the funniest things in this movie is because. Is because like, oh, okay, I thought, the, you know, maybe he was just going to like take him out of there in cuffs or whatever. But yeah, no, he's just holding a gun to the inspector's head and they just go out of the, they just go up, they just walk out of the police station and then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then. Then um, they go to a small boat yeah. and they, and like the dude's like trying to give Statham a gun, but then Statham shows that in the small boat. He's strapped to the teeth with pipe. He has assault rifles. Yeah. So then the next shot, we see Statham sneak into a container yard. And then we see the friggin' Lay. Or is it Lie? Lay? It's Lie. Lie. I only remember that because the billionaire douche made a shitty joke where he was like, you know, it's fitting that your name is Lie because all she's done is lie to you. Whatever. So <laughs> like, Lie like the lady that. and her dad are pissing each other off. Then we have Jason. Then we have Statham start shooting at some goons. And then he gets in a tussle with Goatee. But since Goatee's a main character, he's able to fight back <laughs> Statham a little bit. That was the most preposterous thing. And then I wrote down, bro, the fighting background music is so weird and cheap god damn it it's what, so distracting to me was it more that simple doom 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 doom, doom. that was just was like what is that weird comic thing this one here is like i think it was just weird and cheap i'm like dude this movie must be done on a shoestring budget actually i wonder how much the budget was one sec oh no yeah so like friggin' the like in the container yard then statham jumps onto a truck then jumps and then jumps onto a bus and then we go into the bus yard and into a bus yard where it's then we turn into another fight, a shirtless fight, to be precise. This had a 20 million dollar budget, which granted back back 20 years ago was a little bit more money than it is now. But that's still pretty low for a quote unquote big blockbuster movie. So it almost was a shoestring budget. So we're now at the shirtless bus yard fight where he's fighting the big goon that we met earlier in the movie yeah. during like the meeting. For freaking the transport for the transportation of lie, which then this shirtless fight I think turns into a pretty iconic fight scene because this I remember this fight scene the shirtless oil fight scene yeah yeah which sounds like me being homoerotic to Jason Statham but I'm not no it's kind of interesting because he has all these dudes but he's like oil's all spilled about but Statham embraces the oil makes him a slippery human being where he is slipping and sliding around, whipping all these dudes asses, which is a pretty clever when you think about that. I'm like, Oh yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah. Which then he like attaches freaking bike pedals to his foot for tractions so that he's not slipping and sliding and then freaking whips all their ass. And I wrote down a slip and slide escape. Here's what I wrote here for the, uh, yeah, this is where I wrote Jason Statham's combat background. He's a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and he has trained in other multiple martial arts, including Wing Chun, Kung Fu, uh, karate and kickboxing. He does like to do a lot of kicks, especially drop kicking a door into, was, into people. <laughs> Dude, did you see that? Did you see that? Uh, that double almost like leg spread kick he did at the end of the axe fight. He was like a mini. He was like a mini uh, Van Dam with that. So whatever. He has two sick fight scenes: one with the axes, and in here with the oil. Which the oil was pretty like memorable, and not me being homoerotic for bringing Jason Statham. We promise. We love you, Jason. His the homo. sick bod. 
Well, you were talking about like goatee. Dude, Jason's ripped. And then like you were talking about goatee, man. Talking about wanting to rub oil on him. And I'm like, you know, well, fu- like Satham does get becomes does go shirtless and gets oil on him and later in the movie. You know, if I remember right, and I think I'm right, this movie is um I believe this movie is French. Yes. This movie is French and uh so that wouldn't surprise me. But God Distributed Fox, like, it actually was a hit in the United States. Actually, actually, I forgot to mention this, just in case I thought you'd think it's cool. The guy that directed this movie directed that Incredible Hulk movie from 2008. The one where, the one that came out after Iron Man, where it's part of the MCU, oh, but because one. but because of weird legal bullshit that's always surrounded the Hulk for some goddamn reason, they, like, never talk about it. But it is part of the MCU. Also the one, yeah, that's the Hulk with Edward Norton. Yes, who I thought was a really good. I mean, I, Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. Yeah, I think Edward Norton's just a good actor. Well, yeah, he is. He's Edward Norton. Yeah, come on. <laughs> but yeah, there's okay. greats out there like William Dafoe being like Green Goblin and still like the best villain ever. Even after all these years, I'm just saying Thanos. Who? Come on, dude. Thanos. Who? <laughs> like, dude, come on. Gobby was a bastard. You wanted to see him die. He's always been a bastard. That's one thing those movies caught really yeah. well. Fuck. If anything, and if anything, you could call a criticism in the first Tobey Maguire movie. You could argue they made him too nice in that movie compared to what to compared to what other sh- bull- bullshit Green Goblins pulled. You know. Well, he was still a bastard in that movie. No, he's still a bastard. We're going to talk about Jason Statham. We need to get away from Gobby. Yeah, you're right. William Defoe, stop being good. Jason Statham needs to be. Jason Statham's one of those guys where it's like, man, I want to see him fight people. I want to see him fight William Defoe's Green Goblin. So after his slip and slide escape, I think he gets a shirt and then he's like getting shot at and then he uses a body as a shield in the water while being shot at and also using that body for an oxygen supply. Yeah. And he swims away to escape the gunfire. Yeah, that's another famous ish moment uh, from the scene from this movie is the uh, the underwater kiss ish because it's not really a kiss no he's just using the dude's breath for oxygen which that on top of breathy i don't know how that i don't know the oil fight well do you think it would oh no the oil fight i remember that for (laughs) sure i remembered because that was a sick choreograph no it's him shirtless and oil shirtless and oil it's like it's memorable that he's shirtless and oil (laughs) and he's whipping ass slipping sliding around oh man i love this guy yeah, I think that I think that's a statism right there. What he's always got. I'm a short off, and I was all wrapped up in oil, slipping, sliding around, whipping ass. I eventually had to use the bike pedals traction to do my sick kicks. Jason Statham. Uh, <laughs> I once had my arm. I once had my arm ripped off, and then I reattached it with this fucking arm. <laughs> he's so great. I love this guy. So at one moment he steals a tiny Citroen, and then he's mobbing the French the France countryside. Blows his motor. He sees a freaking agricultural plane fly by, spread like doing his asbestos run. Uh, nah, asbestos pesticide. Yes, yeah. pesticide. Yes. Yeah, doing it as pesticide. I thought, uh, pesticide. Like a, I thought it was a Pes- crop duster or crop duster. I didn't know, but whatever. It was, it was crop dusting while like Statham is just fucking full sprint running after it. Once it lands, he goes up and like steals this dude's plane. No, he actually doesn't. He points a gun at the dude's head to fly him somewhere. As we see him fly over a friggin' uh, semi truck. Yeah, semi truck. But like, what's the fucking word for like a group of cars? 
a convoy? I think so. Yeah, so a convoy of like trucks and cars, which he lands on the truck and then freaking I don't have much info here. It's literally him fighting on it fighting dudes on a truck. So what I so what I got was he lands on the truck, right? Um and th- but then at some point Fucking evil goatee is able to go into the truck, subdue Statham, which he thought he won, but then Statham returns. Yeah, he's like holding on to the bottom of the truck, and then like, what's his name? Um, Lie's dad tries to shoot him. Yeah, but Jason Statham, what's that like four end thing that you used? Oh, to? you mean a tire iron? Yeah, but then he takes a tire iron from underneath the truck, and then he throws it, and he throws it with such Jason Statham precision that I I don't. I, I think it killed the fucking guy because it hits goatee? the... Not, not goatee. It I just ki- wrote down he throws a tire iron at some point. Yeah, I guess he kills threw- a man or like subdues a car yeah. as it like drives off. He's able to beat evil goatee and like kick him out of the truck and I presume he is dead. Yeah, I guess his, uh, there's an unrated version of this movie and I guess his death was a little more... Brutal? Gra- yeah. Yeah, apparently there there was an unrated version but apparently it's not even like that much more crazy violence just a little more blood a little more brutal violence either way I, it's yeah. hard to have notes here because it was kind of just action i said he's like crawling around a semi truck he's fighting goatee man he's able to beat him and then here's the thing the, the truck pulls off then La- then lies dad appears with a gun in his head he walks statham to a cliff to shoot him shoot him off to shoot him off i don't know why i keep wanting to say that but lie appears she shoots her dad and then Statham and Lai go to the semi-truck. They open it, and there's people in there. This truck was for human trafficking. so And these human traffickers are now saved. Or traffickees. Traff- the traffic. The, yes. So these human traffickees are saved. And then credits roll, and the movie's over. I'm like, oh, damn. That damn, movie was really? fine. Yeah. Yeah, it was only It's kind of like, like ends just there. You would think there'd be like a scene of like, you know, Statham back at his beach pad. Maybe him and Lai... Give Might him. enjoy a lot, maybe enjoy their company. No, they just show that they save them. They open up the they open up the back of the semi truck. Also, cops there, and I'm like, oh, people are saved, and now the movie's over. Huh? That wouldn't have happened on the new Dream Theater album. I guess it wouldn't. But either way, good movie. I know. I guess I'm gonna go watch Transporter Two now. Yes. Get that movie done. Yes. I don't know when we can meet up again. But you know what? This is a cool movie. I'm glad we watched I feel, it. Yeah. I, as I said, I feel I know for sure the third one's ridiculous. That's what I hear, yeah. I'm curious about how the second one is. I think I only remember like one of the more climactic scenes where he has a short amount of time and he's just mobbing in a Lamborghini full <laughs> throttle and he's trying to make time. And I'm just like, that's all we're calling and he's fighting dudes on a plane. That's uh, That just sounds like Crank. Come on. It's Jason Statham. <laughs> Well, either way, we'll have more. J- we have more statisms next next time we can podcast. Yeah, hopefully it'll be next week. Right. I don't know what your schedule is going to be. The holidays are evil to you. Yeah. How are the holidays going? Pretty brutal. Jingle bells, Batman smells. Robin, Robin laid an egg. egg. The Batmobile lost a wheel, wheel and the Joker, Joker got, got away. Ha 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 ha! Said the Joker <laughs> calmly. All right. Anything else you want to add, or should we uh, adios this bullshit? I guess it's time to adios. Well, listeners, thank you for listening. This was the Doctor Death Danger Radio Show with your boys James and Edward. I hope you have a good one. Adios. Bye.